Uh, I want to read this excerpt uh, this morning from our daily bread. If you've been reading through, you may have read it this past Tuesday. If you have the daily bread with you, you can certainly take it out and uh, just sort of read along with me. It's on the theme of friendship. On the theme of friendship. And uh, today's message is entitled, I Call You Friend. I Call You Friend. But I want us to look at this particular uh, insert from our daily bread for April 2nd. And if you have it, please, why don't you read it out loud with me. Friendship is one of life's greatest gifts. True friends seek a special kind of good, which is that they might know God and love Him with all of their heart, soul, and mind. German pastor and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, The aim of friendship is exclusively determined by what God's will is for the other person. Wow. These are some awesome thoughts. You got to get them, please. First of all, uh, let's go back up for a minute. It said, friendship is one of life's greatest gifts. True friends seek a special kind of good for their friends. The highest good, which is that they might know God, love him with all their heart, soul, and mind. And then it mentions again, German, uh, uh, the German pastor and martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the aim of friendship is exclusively determined by what God's will is for the other person. That's a tremendous statement. Let's continue. It says, Jonathan, David's friend, is a sterling example of true friendship. David was in exile, hiding in the desert of Sif, when he learned that Saul had come out to seek his life. Jonathan went to Horish to find David. The significance of this scene lies in Jonathan's intent. He helped David find strength in God. Or as the text puts it, he strengthened his hand or grip in God. That is the essence of Christian friendship. Beyond common interests, beyond affection, Beyond wit and laughter is the ultimate aim of sowing in others the words of eternal life, leaving them with reminders of God's wisdom, refreshing their spirit with words of his love, and strengthening their grip on God. Pray for your friends and ask God to give you a word in season to help them find renewed strength in our God and His Word. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us 
May your love compel us to show love to others. Give us sensitivity to your spirit that we might know how to encourage them in their walk with you. A true friend is a gift from God and one who points us back to him. Now, isn't that food for thought? Wow. Isn't that food for thought? Bonhoeffer said, the aim of friendship is exclusively determined by what God's will is for who? The other person. Now, we always come, and you know, not always, but we often look at friendship and say, okay, well, I know that so-and-so is my friend, but all the time, your mind is focused on who? Me. And not so much what God's will is for that other person. Right? But then he comes down, and it says in this particular reading, the fact that the essence of Christian friendship is the ultimate aim of sowing in others the words of eternal life, leaving them with reminders of God's wisdom, refreshing their spirit with words of love, of his love, and strengthening their grip on God. Wow. Turn in your Bible, please, to John the 15th chapter. John the 15th chapter. We heard earlier the song, Friend of God. And in there, the words are include saying, Who am I that you are mindful of me? Referring to, Who am I, God, that you're mindful of me? Who am I that you are thinking of me? That you hear me when I call. Oh, how you love me. It's amazing. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Then it says, God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. Isn't that tremendous? Those words are absolutely tremendous. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you are thinking of me? That you hear me when I call? Oh, how you love me. It's amazing. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Well, I believe that the passage in the scripture that that person is referring to when it says that he calls me friend is found in John the 15th chapter. And we're just going to jump down to first of all, <coughs> verse 15. John 15, 15. And let's read that verse together, please, out loud. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Did you see it? Everybody was, was reading it, even though you may not read it out loud, read it out loud, but you, you saw it. You read it. Okay. Notice here, first of all, when Jesus uses this language, because this is Jesus speaking, right? 
Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. When he says, no longer do I call you servants, talking to his disciples. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Why? Why is he calling them friends? For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. That's an awesome observation, y'all. Get it, please, in its context. He says, I have called you friends <coughs> for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Okay. I know you're probably saying, what do you want us to get out of that, Pastor Joe? Because I heard you say it twice. Well, let me say it out of the uh, New Living Translation for you. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Did you get it? Mm -hmm. The new uh, uh, NIV version says, that same verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. All I'm saying the same thing. The whole fact is he's calling them friends because everything that the Father has given to him has told him he has shared it with them. Go back to that whole concept of friendship that was shared out of the daily bread. And it says that your concern in a true friendship, mm -hmm. your concern is the will of God for the other person. Mm -hmm. Jesus demonstrated that mm -hmm. to the hilt. Mm -hmm. Everything that God told him, mm -hmm. the Father told him, right. he made known to them. That's an awesome thing. Concerned about right. us. Concerned about his disciples. Did you follow it? And he certainly gave them words of eternal importance. Because that's what he's about. But it's again so that each one of the disciples would be strengthened in their grip with God. That they would be strengthened in their walk with God. And that's important, y'all. Because if we're to be imitators of Jesus, then we need to be giving others the word of God, which will enable them to be strengthened in their grip with God. Yes, yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. If you're going to be a true friend, yes. 
and you're concerned about that other person, then your concern needs to be really about what is their walk with God? What word of encouragement can I give them from God? Do you understand what I'm saying? So over and beyond talking about you know, the styles and the weather and the sports and who's winning and all of this kind of stuff. Nothing's wrong with that. But if you're a true friend and a Christian true friend, then you need to be concerned about God's will for that other person. And you know without a shadow of a doubt that God's will is that they know him. Yes. Mm-hmm. That they be strengthened in their walk with him. So in the midst of talking about the sports and everything else and all the other stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, you need to be sharing the word with them mm-hmm. so that they can be strengthened mm-hmm. in their relationship with God. Does that make sense? Now, looking back, John chapter 15, because that's one side of the picture. And it's a good side. But go back to look with me, please, at verse 14. Let's read it together. You are my friends... If you do whatever I command you. Now. Well. uh, Hey. Now. I I, I can grab the last part you talked about Pastor Joe. In in verse 15. You know. I call you friend. Because. Everything my father told me to tell you. I've told you. You know I'm telling you. But when you come before that and you told me, you my friends, if you do whatever I command you, now that's a whole nother boat. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said to them, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. But let's go back beginning at verse 9. Verse 9 of this chapter. Because we're going to see this in its context. Because it has great significance. Let's start at verse 9 and let's begin to read. <clears throat> As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, right there. Jesus is making a statement. He said what? As the Father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love so Jesus understood that the father loved him and the same way that the father loved him Jesus says I also loved you and then he says abide in my love. But let's go on. 
Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Wow. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Well, first of all, he said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Then he comes right behind that and tells you what? How to abide in his love. He ain't leave you no questions. He ain't leave you hanging. He ain't leave you trying to conjure up something. Well, okay, he told me abide in his love. So now what I got to do? Do some flips, trips. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then he said something that's absolutely tremendous. He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. <clears throat> so some people want to think Jesus was tripping or something, you know. Well, you know, he was God in the flesh. And so it didn't matter, you know, whatever he did was all right. No. Jesus says, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So the reason Jesus was abiding in the father's love was because he kept the father's commandments. That's important, y'all. For instance, that passage when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, is there some way this cup can pass from me? I mean, I know what's coming down the pipe, but come on. Can we do this thing another way? And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, suppose he said, is there some way to do this thing another way? Uh, you know, uh, and don't forget about the nevertheless. He said, well, look, I tell you what. If you ain't got an idea, I do. Because I'm out of here. And he packs up his stuff. And the disciples out there sleeping. And he comes by and says, y'all, you can wake up if you want. Stay sleeping. I'm out of here. Because I'm going on back to glory. And I'll talk to you all later. But he didn't do that. He kept the Father's commandments because John 12 says that he had a command from the father mm -hmm. he knew that commandment was eternal life and he knew that he had been given a command that no person could take his life John 10 tells us but he could lay it down and take it up again because mm -hmm. he had that command from the father that's an awesome thing. Yes, yes. And he says to us, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just like I keep my father's commandments and abide in his love. Did you understand that? So when we get a handle on, okay, he wants me to do 
just what he did. He had some options. But he decided, I'm going to obey the commands of my father so I can what? Abide in his love. So we have some options. Did you get the picture? We can either obey the commands of the Lord and abide in his love or trip out. Now, but when you trip out, always remember one of his commands are, if you said, what is it? You can confess your sin to God. And he is what? Faithful. To do what? Forgive you. And do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you don't hang out. You ask for forgiveness. That's why it's interesting. In the scriptures. Paul. Preached repentance. Jesus. Preached repentance. The prophets. Preached repentance. Does ever wonder about everybody talking about repentance? Did you understand what I'm talking about? From the Old Testament through the New, talking about repentance. God already knows we a mess. God already knows our mind trips out. God already knows that we're going to yield to the flesh. He already knows that. So what is he saying to us? Repent. Get it together. And I'm here to help you get it together. And then let's move on forward. With you abiding in my love. Because I made a statement. If you keep my commandments. Then. Let me read it. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Do you see the connect? You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. I want you to abide in my love. Well, the way to abide in my love is what? Keep my commandments. So it appears that the link pin is keeping his commandments. Because if you keep his commandments, you abide in his love, and you're his friend. Wow. It doesn't say he does not. He called you friend. He called you friend because he told you everything. The father told him to tell you. Did you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But prior to that, he told you how you are his friend. Mm -hmm. He told them before, you're my friend if you keep my commandments. If you abide in my love, you do that by keeping my commandments. And then he says about the fact I don't call you servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I call you friend because everything the father has told me, I've told you. 
Did you get the picture? He held up his responsibility. He held up his responsibility because he says in verse 13. Oh, matter of fact, well, let, let's, let's, let's continue down. We have verse 11, right? Let's read verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Wow. Do you see two different joys in what Jesus said? Do you see two different joys? Let's look at it again. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So, there's a joy that Jesus has, and then there's a joy that you have. And he said, the things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Well, what things did he speak to them? He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So in other words, if you keep his commandments, you'll abide in his love. And if you abide in his love, I'm telling you this thing right now, that my joy will remain in you. That my joy may remain in you. I'm telling you this so that my joy may remain in you. So how is, you, how is his joy going to remain in you? By you keeping his commandments? Because then you're abiding in his love. And these things he said to us so that his joy may remain in you. And that your joy would be full. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that simple? We make it so complicated because we don't want to do the first part. We don't want to keep his commandments. That's the first thing. And why don't we want to keep his commandments? Because they don't necessarily appeal to our flesh. Right? That's it in a nutshell. It don't appeal to our flesh. And that's why it's so important to understand. You've got to have a mind shift. Did you hear what I said? Yes. You've got to have a mind shift. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're born again. Your spirit is born again. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, do what? Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable form of worship. And then it says what? And be not conformed to what? This world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which means your spirit could be born again. But if you don't present your body and transform by the renewing of your mind, 
then you won't see a difference. Are you following what I'm saying? And part of the renewal of your mind is, yes, he called me friend. Because he's told me everything the Father has given him to tell me. So I'm going to line up with what he's called me. My responsibility is to keep his commandments, abide in his love, have his joy remain in me, and my joy be full. Wow. Are you following? Amen. Which means I've got to renew my mind on the word of God. I've got to be strengthened by the word of God so that I can hold my grip on to God. Does that make sense? And then verse 12. Let's read it together. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, notice, he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Wait a minute. He didn't just say love one another. He said love one another. This is the commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. And then he says no greater love or greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Mm. Now get this, please. Mm. We said earlier, mm -hmm. Bonhoeffer made an observation, and his statement was that friendship, the aim of friendship is exclusively determined by what God's will is for the other person. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Bonhoeffer said, the aim of friendship is exclusively determined by what God's will is for the other person. Jesus says. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life. For his friends. That's an awesome observation. If you connect those two thoughts. Because what they're saying. Is one and the same. Because. If your. Exclusive aim for friendship is determined by what God's will is for the other person, then what you have done is laid down your life for that person. 
Did you yeah. hear what I said? Yes. You have laid down your life for that person. In other words, you begin to treat that person, not what can you do for me? What you going to do for me? You know what I mean? What you going to do to satisfy me? Because this friendship is about me. I want you to know that. You understand what I'm saying? But when the friendship is exclusively about what God's will is for the other person, then it means in the friendship, I've got to lay down my life my Lord. and determine what is God's purposes for you. That's an awesome thing, y'all. And Jesus says, greater love has no man than that he laid down his life for his friend. I'm saying that, in other words, okay, what is it that God has for you? What's his will for you? That has to take precedent over what you can do for me. Amen. And that's the kind of love mm -hmm. Jesus demonstrated. Mm -hmm. Did you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He saw man's need mm -hmm. to be saved. Amen. And as a result of that, he Gave up all the riches of heaven to become flesh and walk among us, experiencing ridicule. He's the creator, y'all. Folks cursing him out. Who do you think you are? Etc., etc. And sometimes we make it so. God. We, we try to make these people so refined. You know they weren't refined. And they didn't just say to him, well, Jesus, now, uh, we know you marry son, and so we really don't believe that you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. Now, you know they ain't say that. Not if they're getting ready to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> Not if they're getting ready to stone him or something. They told him, called him all kinds of funny names. Whatever it was in their language. And he took it. Now you know how much you would have taken. First of all, you would have called the angels. As soon as they said something off color, you would have thought, kill them. <laughs> Wipe them out. Now you know that. Who do they think they're talking to? Do they know who I am? Don't they know that if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't even be here? <clears throat> and they got the nerve to be talking to me like that? Come on here. We're going to get this straight right now. I'll wipe y'all out. Well, tell you what. You watch because I'm going to kill all them. Now, you keep all messing with me and see what happens to you. <laughs> Ain't that about it? And here Jesus is talking about greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friend. And I'm laying down my life 
I'm considering yours. What is it that God wills for you? Not what satisfies me in this relationship. Love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. Now that's a trip out, isn't it? Wow. Friendship. <clears throat> Just touched upon it today. Amen. Any questions? Any thoughts? Any comments? Yeah, I do have a comment. That, yes. that is, um, I'm just going to talk about women because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. But women have such a tendency because they want to be loved, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so they're looking for love. Whereas uh, sometimes men, that that's the ultimate thing that they they looking for love also. But sometimes their first act is not that their first thought is not necessarily love, mm -hmm. but want you. Right. And what a message! To, this is to everyone, but what a message to women. Yeah. You know that that uh, as far as a man is concerned, you should be you should be wanting a man who will be your friend. Mm -hmm. Wow. Who exclusively who who's, who is exclusively determined that he will want for you what God's will is for wow. you. Isn't that awesome? And not what God's will is for them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How you can please me, what you can do for me, what you can give me. Wow. And so women should be should put a halt to some relationships and say, wait a minute, you're not my friend. According to the word of God mm -hmm. and according to even what I read here in the Our Daily Bread, right. you are not being my friend right. because you are not looking out for what God's will is for me. You're looking out for what God's will, not even God's not will, God will yeah, right. what, what you can do for me, right. what, you, what I can do for you. you. That's right. Not not how you can be a friend to me. Wow. That would stop some of these crazy relationships that women let happen right. in their lives. Going after a man just to have a man. Wait for God to wait for God to give you a man. Wow. And be satisfied with Jesus mm. as your ultimate lover. And don't settle for some of this foolishness. Well, and then if you look at the other side of it is, it is the men who are in here now you know how to love a woman because you know how to love Jesus right. and that is to do whatever he commands you to do yeah. and, it's a great lesson for all of us it is and, and the great key lesson. is you know how to love the other because you know how Jesus loved you yeah that is key isn't it you know how to love others because you know how Jesus loved you. He loved you the same way the Father loved him. And that's all he's asking you to do. Love one another. 
as I have loved you. How did I love you? Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. No greater love. Come on. None. So if you want the ultimate, the ultimate is lay down your life for the friend. Now that's a, that's a tremendous trip, isn't it? Where you're saying, you're telling me, I don't need to satisfy me. I need to look at what God's will is for you. And how can I encourage you? How can I help you? But you think about it. If each person did that in a friendship, then everybody's being encouraged. Yeah. Everybody's being strengthened. And everybody's abiding in his love. And everybody's joy filled because his joy has remained in you. God never intended for you to live this life without him. You can't keep trying to do it. That's why he keeps saying forsake your way. Take my way. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Your thoughts are fleshly. Come on, get real. You got enough years behind you now to know that. So be led by my spirit. Hear my words. Obey my commands. And reap the benefits. 